Thanks for downloading and listening to a Quick Timeout podcast presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. If you're in the market for a shooting machine, look no further than Dr. Dish Basketball's incredible lineup of shooting machines. Their CT, All-Star Plus, and Rebel Plus models have been bought by thousands of programs around the world, while their home model is being used by players all over the country, right in their own backyards and driveways. New to the lineup this year is the Dr. Dish facility model for those with basketball training businesses. These machines are must-have for those looking to take their shooting to the next level. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. I want to welcome to the show Coach Kevin Carroll, assistant coach for the Lipscomb Bisons. Coach, appreciate you making time for us to come on the show today. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to speak with you, Tony. Thank you. I want to talk with Coach today a little bit of offense, and I like to ask this question of coaches when they come on to talk about offense. Coach, for someone who's never seen you all play before, how would you describe what you do offensively? Yeah, it, I would say that it is a combination of, um, of concepts and and a series of just different concepts, movements, and alignments that kind of all flow together that give you, you know, your players the freedom to be able to make multiple decisions, you know, um, whenever they're out there on the court and, um, you know, ultimately create the space that you need to, to get a great shot every time down the floor, hopefully. I know when Coach Acuff was at Alabama Huntsville that he used that red shirt on on almost all of his freshmen that came into the program. And, and I know you guys all still value player development and what you're doing there at Lipscomb. What specifically related to the offensive development of the guys are you trying to accomplish really that first year, but like the first couple of years as you're introducing the system to the guys? Yeah, probably the the biggest hurdle or one of the biggest hurdles is just, um, you know, the, the vernacular, if you will, you know, learning all the different names that we have for all the different concepts that we have, you know, so you're learning, you know, you're learning, you know, the concept and the action and then the, the, the word behind it, you know, so that, that can be a little hard up front for the guys, but really once they get, they master that, it just allows them to move at such a, a quicker rate of speed. Uh, through, you know, maybe different things that we're trying to teach them. You brought up the playing quickly. Can you speak to the importance of, for this type of system, what playing quickly, playing with pace within that half court does for your overall, what you're trying to accomplish? Well, I think in any offense, you just want to be able to make quick decisions um, as quickly as possible so that, you know, you can, uh, um, you know, so the defense doesn't have as much time to react. You know, I think in, in like what we do, we're just trying to our goals to streamline alignments, concepts, movements, you know, so that you can turn playing offense into a series of really simple decisions that occur over and over again. You know, thus, thus creating certainty and confidence for your players. I think that's what playing fast is. You know, I think a lot of people think playing fast is how fast you run up and down the floor. You know, I would argue that playing fast is how quick you can make a decision. When you're teaching the decision making, I've heard coach mention about like teaching players the feel of the game, teaching players vision. Those two are often tied together. How do you teach that feel and that ability to have vision to the guys? Yeah, I think it starts with, you know, in the way that we play, there's there's wide action, but a narrow vision. So there's lots of multiple decisions that can be made, but you're 
really focused on maybe, you know, where, where you can throw the ball. So, you know, comparing the way we play to say a motion offense, which I've played and coached in before as well, you know, they both have multiple decisions that can be made at any point in time, but where you're looking varies a lot more in a motion offense. You know, you may be looking to the left or to the right or directly in front of you, or should you drive it or whatever. I think in, in what we, in the way we play, maybe the one advantage is, is there's just more certainty and clarity in terms of, all right, I'm looking here. So there's a narrow vision. If that's not open, I can go here, have these options. And when I decide what, whichever decision I make, we're going to have multiple reads or multiple options off of that. So there's still a wide action, yet a narrow vision. You know, sometimes, you know, people talk about having freedom of choice. Sometimes it's better to have uh, freedom from choice, in, in my mm-hmm. opinion, because, uh, you know, too many choices slow down your your mind and your feet. Uh, you know, a narrower focus, uh, you know, created from the, the clarity and the repetition, uh, I think that increases your player's ability to uh, perform a skill quicker. I get the sense sometimes when we hear that freedom that maybe some coaches think like they can do whatever. I was even watching you all play this morning. That idea of like narrow vision. Could it also? Could you also say maybe like each guy has its own res- own responsibility? And while I was watching that, there's a lot going on on the floor. I mean, there's all five guys are moving to something. But yeah. within that, there is that narrow vision of really, I'm only doing one, two or three things. But when yeah. you have those coordinated efforts, it looks like a lot of things are going on at the same time. And that's where it comes down to your concepts. And, and I think, you know, what we try to create or, or two and, you know, a two man game, essentially, maybe on one side of the floor while three players are being occupied on the other side of the floor through, you know, a cut or a screen or or spacing. And you know, I think when you can create that and create indecision, a split second indecision in the, the mind of a defender, then you maybe have created an advantage there. For those that are listening, there's some clips. Uh, you have there's a few full games on YouTube, but you do you all do a great job of of those other three doing things that, to your point, they, they occupy the defense. But it's. You know, I, I would guess is sometimes it's maybe just to kind of keep those guys occupied, but the, it's also creating potential advantages for the next thing that might be coming if a guy comes off a ball screen or, or whatever on that side of the floor. A lot of kind of what we're trying to accomplish is streamlining the concepts and streamlining uh, your spacing and your your reads and your options off of different actions or different plays. You know, so for instance, um, you know, how can you, you know, like, like in my mind, every play can be simplified down to just about one of five scenarios. Every time you catch the ball, you can either shoot it, you can throw it in the post, you can drive it, whether that be just a drive or off a ball screen or whatever towards a side that has one player on it. Uh, you can drive it towards a side that has two players on it, or you can drive it towards the side of the floor that has three players on it. And how you space and your options off of those different opportunities that you have, uh, whether you drive it and you pitch it to the corner or you drive it and you pitch it to the, the 45 or, you know, you throw it back or whatever, you know, like you can create a whole series of concepts there that all flow together that, sh- that those concepts may show up a hundred different ways, but your players already know how to space and what their reads and options are depending on no matter how you start the possession or how you get into that that 
particular situation. That seemed to be something that was really helpful for my guys in understanding. Like there's these overarching goals that kind of guide then what you do within the possession or within like what your action is. It just seemed mm -hmm. to be something that was helpful for them. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you can get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats, in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal shooting percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Combined with HD quality, automatically captured film from the Huddle Focus smart camera, every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. The million-dollar question that I always get is, what does the progression for the installation of something like this look for? Understanding, of course, you know, you guys have them in the summertime. <clears throat> you have a little bit more access to them in the beginning. But, you know, even that is at, to a point limited. So, you know, what yeah. does that look like for you all? And maybe we would have to condense that down at different college levels or high school levels. But, you know, what does that look like for you guys? Yeah, and I think if you asked – 10 coaches who play the way we do, you probably get 10 different answers. You know, what I would say is, it's kind of what I just talked about earlier is like strip it down to the end in mind in terms of, all right, let's talk about, you know, how you're going to space when we're driving the ball towards the side with one player on it. Like, what are we going to, how are we going to space and what are our options off of that? Then maybe go back and, um, you know, initiate an action, a, a base core element of what you're uh, you know what you're doing out of your offense that gets you into driving at a side that has one player on it okay mm -hmm. then maybe out of that same alignment that you just worked on maybe there's another option that gets you uh to where you're driving at a side of two you know so you know now you, you know you, then so you go back and you show them all their the spacing and where they should stand and what their options are when you're driving the ball towards two players, you know, and then go back and, and teach that, you know, that option that ends up with them driving it too. So, and then, you know, then maybe like an empty sided ball screen where you're coming off and you're driving towards a side that has three players on it, you know, the, then maybe later on in the progression, you're talking about, you know, how you're going to space whenever you throw the ball in the post. I mean, I, I think all that stuff you, you teach, with the end in mind and you teach the concepts of the spacing and the reads off of it. And then you go back and install essentially your offense. And now everything moves faster because when you, when you get to uh, something that requires a, a different start or a different, you know, way that you got into it, but it ends the same way that they, they have a reference point. And, mm -hmm. and you know, I, I was a high school math teacher for the first six years of my coaching career. And, you know, I, I taught geometry and, you know, like in geometry, you know, you, 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 you take, uh, you know, it's a study for relationships essentially between, you know, points, lines, angles, shapes, things of that nature. But, you know, like you, you, you learn more about new relationships by taking simple concepts and then stacking them together to create a new concept. And that's kind of essentially how you build your offense, if you will. 
Um, you're taking something that you already know. And then when you get back to a, a new, something new, you want to enter a new play, a new start, a new entry, whatever. Now, all of a sudden, all you have to show, all you have to connect is, all right, hey, this is how it starts. Now we're right back into something that we've already learned on the first week of practice, which is, all right, hey, I'm driving the ball towards a player with two with two guys on it. And here's all of our options that we learned. It's the same thing. I would imagine that you do a lot of that in like your small group workouts, well, you know, two man, three man. Do you do you usually keep it to two or three? <clears throat> and do you use defense and offense at the same time? Or do you do a lot of two on O, three on O and talk through that before yeah, you get to lot. the defense? Yeah, it's a lot. It's probably and, and be honest, we see the game in, in five on O and five on five as, as a staff. That's how we kind of teach the game. We probably don't do as many small group settings as as maybe other people, but but when we do, you know, get into groups and things like that, then yes, it's definitely, you know, like hey, you maybe like I said, starting we're we're driving at one, you're standing here, we're driving at two. All right. This is the same thing as driving at one, except you got this guy, this other player standing over here too. So if we throw it to the corner, it's the same set of rules as if we throw it to the corner when we're driving at one. Now we just need to add when we're driving at two. Now, if we're driving with three players on the side of the floor, here's how we turn that back into, you know, we need to cut this way to turn that back into driving at two, which is something they already know. So that uh, there is a lot of that, I guess, in the, uh, you know, when you're breaking down into groups and going back and kind of reteaching everything, um, just, you know, shoring up those concepts and ideas. I'm glad you mentioned the five on five. I, I know you guys, you even in the summertime do a lot of five on five, which, may seem really early to a lot of guys. I heard you say that one time to somebody and you're like, oh, wow, that's yeah. doing five on five already. What's the purpose of that for the guys? Well, I, I just think, you know, basketball is such a decision-making sport. You know, I, I, I definitely feel like there is a time for uh, on-air drill work, uh, especially when you're learning to master a, a certain skill. But really, the decision is five times as important as the skill, you know, because the decision allows you to get to the skill a lot of times. So it's the same thing, in, you know, when you're playing an offense. Like it's you can replicate the patterns or the concepts or the movements or whatnot, but you can't replicate, uh, you know, the decisions that you have to make without playing. And in what we do, because it is a five-man offense, it's really difficult to, uh, you know, unless you're just focusing on one certain element of it, it, it's really difficult to to learn it all without kind of having five guys out there because you may make one decision and one read and you make that read successfully, uh, but then the defense is able to counteract it or stop it. And now all of a sudden you've got an, another decision to make. Well, if you only have three guys on the floor out there, you can't get to that next decision because you need those other two players to, to continue on in that process. And I would imagine that the feedback is pretty regular. I mean, not every, every rep or every stoppage or whatever, but that there's a lot of teaching going on because I saw coach Acuff say, well, at one point you guys play, we'll, we'll play five on five for like 30 minutes at the end of practice. Sometimes again, I don't want coaches to think like just 30 minutes up on the clock and we just play. Yeah. What, what does that look like from a teaching perspective and fee giving feedback? 
Yeah, when I say five on five, it, we're not putting 30 minutes on the clock most days and saying, hey, just play pickup ball for 30 minutes or whatever. I mean, it, there's, you know, love, different levels of accountability there. Uh, you know, it's usually, hey, we're going to be like, you know, team A is going to start on offense and we're going to go offense to defense to offense, you know, and then flip it around. So, you know, it may be, may be something where we give them, you know, a start in the first possession so that they can really work on one specific thing. Um, and then the next two trips down, you know, the offense is more just kind of reading uh, kind of what to do. But, you know, that's just, like I said, that's that's how, you know, Coach Acuff is obviously a phenomenal basketball mind, and that's how, that's how he sees the game and how we see the game and how we just kind of go about teaching. So you know, at the end of that possession, that offense to defense to offense, you know, you may, you may we may talk about it briefly on the court, uh, or coach may talk about it, or maybe an assistant pulling guy off to the side and kind of saying, "Hey, you're here, do this," or, or maybe someone stopping and saying, "Hey, uh, you know, demonstrating on the court." It, it really just kind of varies depending on what you know from possession to possession on what we feel like the team needs. Okay, so there's five out, there's four out, one in, with that one low. There's four out, one in, with that one high. And I, I understand that what coaches do with their particular teams a lot of times has to do with, you know, level you're at, personnel, that sort of thing. But you guys almost kind of do a combination of all three, some some Princeton even mixed in. How would you describe that and kind of the thinking behind that? I think, like I said, it's a, it's just a, a sum of concepts that all kind of flow and fit together. A lot of times what we're telling our guys is, you know, we have certain alignments on the floor and we're saying, you know, Where's the ball and where's the five man? Okay, because where where those two things are in relation to each other will kind of tell us what uh, what concept we're in at that point and give us different you know options to to look for. And you know I think the beauty of what Coach does I know I'll probably make it sound a lot more complicated than it is, but the beauty of kind of what Coach does is he he really doesn't try to bear the guys down or, or weigh them down rather with overthinking you know like uh it's it's uh there and what we do it's almost like a motion offense in some standpoint in the sense of there's very little wrong or right you know if you make the wrong decision we just find the next concept and get into that one really quick and once you know guys get really good at, at reading the alignment and knowing what concepts we're in and then, like i said going back you know you know, if you get screwed up, just are we driving at one, driving at two, driving at three, shooting it or throwing it in the post? You know, one of those five things is always occurring. So just play out of the spacing, play out of those concepts out of that. Without making you describe it all, I mean, is a good way to, to describe it. There's almost, as I watched, there almost seem to be triggers that then kind of dictate where that five man goes and if mm -hmm. he comes high, if he goes low. And then the concepts of there's a ball screen, now you screen and roll then yep. dictates where he goes next correct yeah that, that'd be well put well put you know and um like i said those alignments kind of tell everybody kind of where to to position and to stand and kind of what our, our next set of options are so post feeds i guess i just mentioned pick roll post up balls thrown inside i mm -hmm. always like to hear um, and see what what different teams are doing. What are the four perimeter players doing for you all once that ball is thrown into into your post? Yeah, you know, and heading into that, we're the beneficiary of uh, one of the top mid major post players in the country, Asan Asajula, who's been a 
three-time first-team all-conference big guy and he's coming back for another year here um, <laughs> this year. So we, you know, we have had to really hone in on what we're doing there because teams, you know, try a lot of different things to slow him down. Um, now we're fortunate that he is probably the best passing big man that I've coached in 23 years of coaching basketball. But, you know, basically essentially what we're trying to do um, is we're trying to get into a certain spacing that makes it really, really difficult to trap without leaving someone open. So, and once again, everything works better when you have good players. Hassan's a phenomenal passer. He's, He's really good at reading traps and double teams and things of that nature and passing out of those and making teams pay. But, you know, essentially what we're trying to do is cut everyone to get essentially four, you know, four people, including the post player with their feet along the baseline and then a man up, up at the top of the key. So you can do that different ways. Um, like, you know, one way would just be I throw the ball into the post and then I, I screen up for the guy at the top and he comes all the way around to the corner. And then I pop to the top and then the next guy in line, you know, will cut to the the uh, the dunker spot, if you will. So now you've kind of got everybody a little bit low. They've got to decide, all right, are we going to double? If so, there's guys in the corners that are open. If you're going to dunk, if you're going to, you know, double with the dunker, then his man's going to have a layup opportunity. If you're going to help from the top, you know, it's a pretty open shot with no ability to rotate on the defensive end. So. Um, just trying to give, you know, like I said, the big as much space as possible so that he can dribble uh, and into his move and be be ready to to make a pass if he gets doubled from somewhere on the court. I found that we kind of introduced similar. We didn't we don't do as much as what you you all do, although I, I might might steal it after watching it and then hearing you describe it. But it seemed to help with the post players decision making and accelerating that. Obviously, and if they haven't seen I mean, he's huge. He can he can pass. He can screen. He can dribble. Yeah. You know, it can do everything, which helps. But there seem to be there's because there's that consistency of where they're going to be. It allowed him to quickly recognize there was a double team and then make a pass. Did you find that to be the case? I mean, limiting kind of turnovers, that kind of thing out of those traps, because it seemed like every time he touched the ball, he's one of those guys that always deserves a double team. Yeah. And so you know that it's coming, but he's still able to find guys quickly because the, he knows exactly where they're going to be. Not just there's this interchange of, well, we interchange like, okay, that, that could mean four guys end up anywhere on the perimeter. Yeah. But he knows exactly where they're going to be. Yeah, and I would say two things about that. I, I would agree with you on that. I, I would say two things. Number one, he's he's been double teamed so much, he already knows kind of what he's looking for. You know, experience is the best teacher. Uh, number two, I think it goes back to what we said earlier with the wide action, narrow vision. Yes, there are different ways that we can cut into those spots on the floor, but he already knows before he catches it, there's really only – one or two ways that the defense there are one or two way things that the defense can take off, you know, and, and so he already knows kind of where his line of sight is. Now we, we've played one or two teams that have been, uh, have tried unique things in terms of their doubles. And, you know, we may have to adjust a little bit on the fly, or if we know it's a scouting thing, just kind of give them a different line of things to look for. But, you know, in 90 percent of the cases it's 
no matter how they double, it's going to be you're looking for the two-on-one here in this situation. I hear this asked of a lot of coaches who coach conceptually. What changes with strategy when the defense goes zone? Um, you know, I think in in zone offense, uh, I mean, we do have some some simpler, different things that we do, but but also too, I think anytime you can turn your man offense into your zone offense, it's just going to create you know a, a, a shorter learning curve for your players you know now you may be looking for slightly different things but i think you know like for instance um a lot of people are familiar with uh you know the like the chin series or whatever like you can turn chin into a into a zone offense as well where you end up with five players out on the perimeter and try to find the two on one you know in the corners or or whatever you know so but you know at, at the same time too we're probably not going to try to outthink the room. <laughs> we got a really good passing big man. We're probably going to try to give him the ball either in the high post or the short corner somehow, and like let him do his thing. If they help. He's going to. He'll probably. He, he's such a good passer. He'll find somebody for a shot. If they don't, they can just back a guy down from the the high post or the short corner. You know that that's. You know, like I said, we're the beneficiary of of his uh, of the type of player that he is. It allows for a lot of freedom and in terms of what we, we can do as a staff. I found that my players, once they started understanding the concepts of space, player movement in relation to space, and the ball movement of you know recognizing a second defender or recognizing an open teammate, it made our zone offense a lot more yeah. potent and go a lot more sm- smoothly. Do you find that? Yeah, yeah I, I do. I, I think, you know, and, and one thing, like there's two different ways I think that you can penetrate a zone. You know, a lot of people are looking to penetrate the zone with the dribble and draw two. Um, And the other way you can do it is by cutting, you know, is by having movement in and out of the middle or the the top of the zone or whatever to, um, you know, with just different types of cuts and movements. So uh, there's a lot of, probably a lot more similarities than people would imagine. And I think that any time you can, going back to what I was saying earlier, anytime that you can um, teach your zone offense based on something that's already happened or relate, you know, what you're doing in your zone offense to something that you're already teaching or the way you're spacing in your man offense, it's just going to make it that much simpler. So an example of that, um, you know, like when we, when we drive, you know, when, when a lot of teams will drive the ball to the baseline, they're going to probably cut somebody to the basket they're going to want somebody in the in the corner, and they're probably going to want somebody in the forty-five, and uh, and different way, there's different ways to cut into that or whatever. But you're going to want that triangle kind of formed, and then the same thing in a zone offense. When you throw the ball to the short corner or whatever, you're probably going to want your high post guy get in front of the rim, a guy on the slot, and a guy on the stretch in the in the or the forty-five rather, and a guy on the corner. So, I mean, at the at the end of the day, uh, it is a zone. It's a different defense, but they teams can only rotate and cover things a certain amount of ways. So you you can, and that, you know, a lot of those concepts will work against both man or zone. Last thing I'll ask you here, uh, where can coaches, you're a great follow on Twitter. Where can they connect with you on the internet or on Twitter? Yeah. Um, you know, probably just, you know, Twitter's probably honestly the best way uh, at coach underscore Carol, C-A-R-R-O-L-L. Um, that's probably the best way to to be able to reach me and you know i i don't i'm not uh i don't really like 
talking about myself very much, but I like putting information out there that hopefully will help people in some way. And I like being able to communicate with people and, and share ideas as well. So, yeah, great share of the game. So make sure that you follow, follow coach. That's coach Kevin Carroll, assistant coach for the Lipscomb Bison. Coach, really appreciate you, appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. All right, Tony, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.